With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome one more time to Unformidable, where we take a look back at some of the less heralded, or in today's case, I will say lesser tenured Mets in our beloved franchise's ever quirky, ever eventful history, as every player who dons the blue and orange is, in their own way, Unformidable. So hard to look back today, though, which is what this pod is all about, because there's so much to say about the current New York Mets as we find new and inventive ways to embarrass our franchise, or at least our manager and one of our erstwhile Mr. Vargas did. I mean, you know, we all know it's the Wilpons. Uh, there's maybe a, I, I maybe a smidge delighted that they're getting called out on it more publicly. I, I don't know why that's taken 30 years for that to happen, but you know, let's face it, any chance that was going to change went out the window when Bud Selig let them stay after the Madoff thing. I mean, they're not they're not going to leave or they're not going to change because of shame because you, you can't fucking shame rich people as far as I've seen in this life. But uh, you're probably not here for all of this. Uh, you're, you're here to forget about the present and go back to the past, which is understandable for a Met fan. I'll, I should leave it to my uh, wonderful Mason Avenue colleagues to rip into the franchise and its current incarnation. 
uh, we're here to orient to the Mets past, and this was supposed to be a weekend of celebration for the Mets, and in fact, in a smooth little, well, not, not very smooth, but uh, in a desperate PR attempt for better PR, they announced the ill-kept secret that they'll be renaming uh, the entrance uh, to, to City, I was just going to say Shea, to City Field as 41 Seaver Way. And uh, it's supposed to be part of a larger weekend of celebration coming up for the Mets of one of the most memorable championships really in all of sports history. So because of the magnitude of the success and the, the story of the 1969 Mets, and, and yeah, let's face it, also because of the lack of success in subsequent years burying that title in a slew of other titles, the, the names of these players are really etched in history, and finding a quote-unquote obscure 69 Met is uh, about as easy as uh, finding, someone who, finding someone who thinks Mickey Calloway will be managing this Met team in, by come, nine, come 2020. I mean, maybe we'll all see him tomorrow, but I don't think we're seeing him in 2020 at this rate, at least barring something else that would probably be referred to as a miracle someday. At any rate, it's one of the, obviously one of the most fetid, most talked about championships in history for, you know, one that I'm, I'm not old enough to remember, but I still revel in reading about it and hearing about it and how the whole world or the whole country or whatever, you know, embraced this ragtag group of misfits. I mean, sometimes I find those, if you find those stories overblown or whatever, I mean, yeah, I have a, I have a friend who grew up in Utah and he, he, tells me, you know, he rooted for the Mets because of that, you know, they just represented something to him. You know, I'll read those stories about, oh, if we could, the Mets could win the World Series, the U.S. could get out of Vietnam, and I'd roll my eyes, but, you know, Steve's older, and he's like, yeah, you know, kind of felt that way as a young kid, or I kind of, it, it just gave people hope when they needed it, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice, wonderful story to have in a franchise that could use some nice stories. But anyway, last week we reveled in one of the best trades in Mets franchise history, uh, Mr. Rick Ownby and Neil Allen for Keith Hernandez. So today, when we honor the 1969 Mets and remember or learn a bit more about some of the fondest of memories in Mets history, we'll focus on a player with a brief tenure with that team, but unfortunately a robust career afterwards that... Uh, kind of is one of the remarked as one of the worst trades in Mets history because uh, in fact this might be the best player we profile on Unformidable at least until like two three years from now when I bitch for hours about the ill-fated Robinson Cano era uh, because if you look at the uh, the 69 Met roster and you remove Seaver and Kuzman uh, the player who achieved the highest career war at 42.8 is one with all of 67 games with the franchise between 1967 and that famed 1969 team, one Amos Otis. So I learned a few fun stories uh, preparing for this pod. The Mets actually worked out Amos Otis at Chase Stadium in 64 and were allegedly interested in drafting him, but he wound up going to the Boston Red Sox in um, like the fourth or fifth round of the 1965 draft. Despite solid minor league numbers, in the Red Sox organization, including ones that he compiled while enduring anonymous, racially inflamed threats telling him to leave town while in the Appalachian League, Otis was left available by the Red Sox, and the Mets grabbed him 
after the 1966 season in the minor league draft. So 67, Otis was in AAA Jacksonville for the Mets, had a great season, and earned a September call-up to the team. He was a shortstop when drafted, but the Mets plugged him in at third, where, you know, as we all know, the franchise had, uh, had an historic hole for many a year. Uh, he returned to AAA Jacksonville in 1968, had another outstanding season, making the AAA All-Star team at the age of 21. And in that offseason, as a 22-year-old, uh, talk about racially inflamed language, the the prospect was lauded by Met Farm Director Whitey Herzog as, quote, the best piece of property we've got. Uh, Otis was deemed untouchable by the Met organization before 1969. He was considered that good of a prospect. Uh, he was turned, uh, they turned down the uh, or trade for Joe Torre to fill that third base hole prior to the 1969 campaign, largely in part because they refused to trade Amos Otis. So uh, the 69 season, Ed Charles, of course, is the primary third baseman. Otis did play a bit early. He, he played a few games at third in early April. It seemed like he, he thought he had a chance to win that job, but, you know, struggled early. And after a few starts at third and also in left and right field, Otis became primarily a bench player, defensive replacement through the early part of the 69 season, when, of course, the team notoriously struggled as well. You know, they had that late run that really saw them through to the pennant. So uh, prior to June 15th, Otis was only was six for his previous 66 at-bats, and he was the player to get sent down to the minors to clear room on the roster for the acquisition of Don Clendenin. That was virtually the end of... Amos Otis's time in a Met uniform. He did get called back up in on September 2nd when the rosters expanded, but if, at that that recall uh, eliminated him from any consideration for the postseason roster. He got a, got some garbage time. Uh, not garbage time. I mean that was an exciting pennant race, but he, early September he was primarily a you know, defensive replacement pinch hitter. Then after the Mets clinched, he made a few starts late in the season, appearing in center field where he apparently impressed Gil Hodges with his few appearances late in the season, with Hodges remarking that he looked like the player we always thought he'd be. So, uh, you know, it, it you know, gave him a chance to hopefully show his potential again, but not enough of a chance not to get traded. Uh, Otis was voted a World Series share, but he did not receive a championship ring and you know, so we won't be seeing him at City Field this weekend. I guess is what that means. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chum 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Ahoy, Mets fans. It's Brian from Mason Avenue Audio, the show with a quick news bulletin. My co host, Chris McShane, recently released an album with his band, The Los Hot Quesos. It's called Hot Queso, and it is phenomenal. I had the pleasure of seeing these boys in the Bronx for the record release party on Saturday night, and it was everything you want a rock and roll show to be. The album is so great. Go to hotquesos.com and pick it up digitally or on vinyl. I recommend the vinyl. Enjoy. Hot Queso. So at the end of September, uh, unbeknownst to everyone at the time, that was to be the end of Amos Otis's all-too-brief net stint. 67 games, 168 plate appearances, a 461 OPS, 1 for 5 on stolen base opportunities. Uh, so that, that was it. The Mets would go on to one of the most glorious uh, pennant races, uh, one of the most glorious pennant and World Series victories in history. Uh, Amos Otis would watch from the sideline and... Little did we know his time with the Mets was effectively over, you know, but we all know, well, apparently the Mets don't know, but most of us know that young players can develop suddenly and improve markedly and develop Amos Otis Wood quickly and impressively. Stop us if you heard this one before, Met fans, in another uniform. Amos Otis actually had mixed feelings about the trade. Uh, he knew he'd have a greater opportunity to play. Uh, he, he was quoted as saying he didn't get to drink any of that World Series champagne, but on the day I was traded, my wife and I went out and bought our own bottle. Uh, so he knew he, he had never really meshed with Gil Hodges and you know, I think clearly saw a greater opportunity to play with Kansas City. Uh, the trade, of course, uh, if, if you're not aware, was uh, Amos Otis and I think Bob Johnson, the pitcher's name. I'll have to double check that for Joe Foy, a third baseman who would play only 140 more games in the majors uh, with an ill-fated 1970 season with the Mets. So the Mets still couldn't plug that hole in third base uh, and plug it for a long time until a a certain future captain came along, really. At any rate, uh, Otis uh, was excited about the playing time opportunity, but he was leery of heading to the heartland and leaving behind a World Series champ for essentially an expansion team in its second season. Uh, he went uh, from being on top of the water barrel to being under the water barrel, to once again quote Amos Otis. But Otis broke out almost immediately with the Kansas City Royals, hitting 284 in that first season in Kansas City in 1970, a league-leading 36 doubles. He went uh, 33 for 35 in stolen base attempts, made his first All-Star game, uh, the second Royal ever to appear in an All-Star game. And perhaps unbeknownst to all of you, or at least it was unbeknownst to me, so kudos to you if you knew this already, but in that 1970 All-Star game, Amos Otis was prominently involved in one of the best-known plays in All-Star game history. He was the outfielder who uncorked the throw to home plate on which Pete Rose famously bowled over Ray Fossey and injured him when he separated his shoulder, I think. I don't, I don't remember, but uh, the, the famous Rose-Fossey collision that essentially 
ended Ray Fossey's career and <clears throat> certainly played into the played into or, or uh, you know played a big part I think in the Pete Rose Charlie Hustle legend that play and it's uh, actually all because Amos Otis had such a was such a great Gold Glove outfielder with a great arm. Well, maybe not all, but who uh, who knew? Or uh, well, I didn't know, but I thought that was an interesting story. So, um, yeah, if, if continuing from seventy uh, from seventy one to seventy four, Otis was exceptional. Uh, three Gold Gloves, four All Star Game appearances. As the Royals began to build a great team around him. In 1973, Otis finished third in the AL MVP voting. He hit a career-high 26 homers, uh, had an 851 OPS, and uh, was behind only Reggie Jackson and Jim Palmer in the MVP voting. I know MVP voting can be quite subjective, but uh, be the third best player in in a league behind those two players, uh, pretty impressive. And Certainly the Mets missed him. And who's to say if uh, Amos Otis on, I know, you can't, can't just plug one different thing and pretend it'll end differently, but perhaps that 73 team could have been uh, one game better than the, than the A's. Uh, it could have got that one extra game with Amos Otis on the team. Anyway, Otis was continued uh, this peak performance uh, in throughout the 70s as the Royals battled the Yankees for American League supremacy. Uh, That Kansas City team would appear in four LCSs in five seasons between 1976 and 1980 and never quite could get over that Yankee hump losing in 76, 77, and 78 in the LCS. Uh, Before in 1980, the Royals finally broke through to the World Series sweeping the Yankees in a three-game series in 1980 and advancing to the World Series against the Phillies, where the Royals would fall in six games, but no thanks, or, you know, despite the efforts of Amos Otis, who slashed a, he, he batted 478 in that World Series, uh, 538 on base percentage, 957 slugging percentage, three homers, seven RBIs, and you would have to imagine, uh, I'd have to look at the game details or if there was some exceptional pitching, but you would have to think he might have been in line for a World Series MVP if the Royals were able to pull that World Series out. That would, alas, for Amos, be his last real chance at that World Series ring that he did not earn or get voted or qualify for in 1969. He became more of a part-time player in the early 1980s before finally latching on with the Pittsburgh Pirates for a final, you know, 40-game season in 1984 before hanging it up for good. Otis finished his career with a 768 OPS, uh, 115 OPS plus, 193 home runs, 1,007 RBIs, and 341 career stolen bases in his 17-year Major League career. Again, he put up, I think it was a 42.8 war, according to baseball reference. Uh, quite quite an impressive career. <clears throat> looking, I, I always love looking at the similarity scores. Some of the players, uh, Otis's comps in his career, Devon White, Dusty Baker, Marquise Grissom, and Ken Griffey Sr. So you know, a lot of you know, Hall of Very Good uh, kind of names in there. 
uh, Mark, you know, just noting the kind of career that he had. And, and a fun story, his age 25 comp, uh, the most similar player to him at that stage in his career, was one Lenny Dykstra. So uh, good job, Amos Otis, not, uh, I don't know, getting on performance-enhancing drugs or getting arrested multiple times or whatnot. So in exchange for one season of Joe Foy, and Joe Foy might be a good candidate for one of these pods, I'd have to say, uh, in exchange for that one season of Joe Foy, the Kansas City Royals received a player who, as of the end of last season, still stood in the top five in their history in games played, runs scored, RBIs, walks, and stolen bases. Uh, so, as as noted, not not the Keith Hernandez for Rick Owen and Neil Allen trade, quite the opposite in the annals of Mets history. And that's saying something when you can put a trade up there way up high in the list of worst trades that this franchise has made, isn't it? But let's not get too dark here. I mean, well, too late probably, but it is a Mets podcast. What what can you do? I mean, you can't have joy without pain, and especially with this franchise. If uh, you can have something wonderful, but there's always going to be some could have bens. So uh, the 69 Mets, uh, one of the most wonderful stories in sports history and uh, something to really cherish in this franchise's history and enjoy in an unfettered way this weekend. But, you know, it wouldn't be the Mets if you couldn't find, even in that unfettered joy, a little, oh, what could have been, just like with their just like we play all the time with those 80s counterparts. And for uh, the 69 team that had some, you know, decent seasons in the 70s, but early 70s, but couldn't get back over that hump, perhaps one of those, what might have been, would have been if we had kept Amos Otis. An all too brief member of the franchise, and for unfortunate reasons, all too unformidable. Thanks as always for listening to Unformidable. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content and follow AA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find this and all of our Amazon pods wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, leave a review. It really helps us out. Original music by Bunga, and I'm on Twitter at Wolf, W-O-L-F-F-R-R, and the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and as always, let's go Mets.